This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'll say it. I'll say it. May sound crazy. May sound like hyperbole. The greatest day in the history of of the New York Mets. All right, outside of the two championships and, you know, maybe winning the pennant in 2000 or the pennant in 15 or, I don't know, maybe Johan's no-hitter. But outside of that, folks, the greatest day in the history <laughs> of the New York Mets. Where do I begin? Well, I, I will let you know that about, I'd say, two and a half minutes ago, Ahmed Rosario hit a walk-off home run at Yankee Stadium. And I raced to my makeshift studio and I said, podcast, baby. Instant reaction. Mets sweep the Yankees in a doubleheader. Steve freaking Stevie Moneybags Cohen is buying the New York Mets. And I will do some Yankee talk because the Yankees are a mess right now. And there's no doubt about it. They've lost seven in a row. Their bullpen implodes in both of these games. But the first portion of this podcast will be Met-related. So for the Yankee fan who doesn't want to hear any Met fan glee, you should probably delete this episode, or you can fast-forward it to the last few minutes, because I will address the Yankees. Let's start with the day. Let's go in chronological order. Why not? On a day in which... The Mets are playing the Yankees in this odd doubleheader, seven-inning doubleheader at Yankee Stadium. The day starts off like crap. Michael Waka stinks. All right, Clint Frazier's hitting RBI doubles. Brett Gardner's laying down this brilliant bunt. Gary Sanchez is having a marathon at bat. And the Yankees are taking a very early 2-0 lead. Then they're taking a 4-0 lead because Clint Frazier goes opposite field. And it felt like, here we go again. The Mets can't hit. Michael Waka stinks. The Yankees have beaten the Mets time after time. I think it was 71-51 and 51 in the regular season coming in. And this felt like a dud. And all of a sudden, and really the, the, the first moment where I thought, wow, this could be different, was not even when Pete Alonso hit the three-run home run that tied the game up in the sixth inning. It wasn't even then. Because as ecstatic as I was that Pete hit that home run off of Chad Green, I still kind of expected the worst. I still didn't think that this day was going to blossom the way it did. Dom Smith, who obviously has had quite a 72 hours from the raw motion we saw on Wednesday night to how powerful that was and how powerful and respected his voice is, not only in that locker room, but throughout baseball, for him to hit an 0-2 pitch home run against Chad Green. Then, at that moment, even with a bullpen you still don't trust, I was like, holy crap, this is going to be a hell of a victory. I mean, you're down 4 nothing to the New York Yankees at Yankee Stadium, and we'll get into the Yankee issues, and I know they have them, but you're still facing Chad Green, who up until this moment, or really the Alonzo moment, I guess, despite what happened against the Braves the other day, 
has still had a great year. Let's not ignore that. I mean, Chad Green was brilliant to start the year. His last two performances have been awful. But then even Jake Marisnik takes him deep, and I think he was behind in the count, too. And look, major credit, major credit to Dellen Betances, who got himself out of a little bit of trouble in the sixth inning, because when he puts two guys on base in a row, when he hits Clint Frazier, when he walks Brett Gardner, and here's Gary Sanchez, who I admit I root for all the time because I think Yankee fans are too hard on him. Here's the moment where I'm not rooting for him. I did have some fears that this was going to be Gary Sanchez's moment to wake up. And to, to the credit of Dellen Betances, even though he is clearly not the same guy, he got a big pop-up. But major credit to Edwin Diaz. Look, we've crushed Edwin Diaz. There's no apologies for it. He's been deserved to be crushed. He hasn't been good. But he dominated. Now, I will admit, we all know this. If Yankee fans are still listening, they're probably screaming this at their phone or iPad or however the hell you're listening to this. This is not the New York Yankees. And I understand that. And Met fans understand that. We're not completely stupid. We get this is not the New York Yankees. And that's a part of the issues we'll address later. So this was a great game one victory. It was weird, still getting used to the whole seven inning thing. But you look at how good the bullpen did, how well the bullpen pitched with Walker Lockett giving you two scoreless, with Betances getting out of trouble, with Diaz striking out the side. And then the magic of that sixth inning against a pretty good reliever in Chad Green Pete Alonzo with a bomb to center. We mentioned Dom Smith. This was a great win. It's why I tweeted best win of the year. Now, is there a little bit added to it because it's the Yankees? Of course. Of course. Well, we're going to lie. I don't love the Subway Series, but there is certainly more stress when you're playing the Yankees. It's not the way it used to be in 97, 98, 99. Those games to me were like World Series games. You know, when Yankee fans used to mock and say, this is your World Series, they were right. For a guy like me, for a kid like me at the time, they were 100% right. It's not the World Series, but obviously you want to win. So I felt good. Now we have ourselves a, you know, whatever. I don't know how long you would describe the rain delay because I'm not sure what time game two it has started. But now all of a sudden, I say to my wife, our anniversary is tomorrow. So, God, I mean, I'm DVRing the crap out of tomorrow's game. I'll watch that thing at 11 o'clock at night. All the attention is going to be on her. But for tonight... I said, yeah, I don't know when this game's going to start. So I actually watched a little bit of SmackDown. I should mention that the end of SmackDown was brilliant. And I have not said that about pro wrestling in a long time, but maybe I'll save that for the uh, Instant Reaction Wrestling Podcast on Sunday night. So they start this game at 840, and I don't want to reveal any names because he would not want me to, but I got a message from a friend relatively early in this game. The Mets at this point, I think it was as the Yankees were scoring the three runs against David Peterson, who had a very weird performance. He was great for three of the four innings he pitched, and obviously the third inning was a disaster. Where I'll give him credit is that the third inning could have been far worse than what it turned into. He got a huge double play against Mike Tockman. But as the Yankees are scoring runs, I get a text from a friend who says, I have some news, but you can't tell anybody. I said, oh, oh, I like that. News that I can't tell anybody. And he says, Stevie is getting the Mets. Now, I was excited, but I was skeptical. I said, really? Stevie's getting the Mets? Is this really going to happen? So I said, all right, yeah, that's cool. I mean, should I, are we believe in this? Where are we on the confidence level? Then, about 30 seconds later, Thornton McEnany, my best friend in the entire world, I love this guy, lets the world know 
that Stevie and his beautiful money for the second time is getting the New York Mets. And I tweeted this. I meant it, even though I've completely flip-flopped. I stopped caring about the game. I didn't care. I mean, it was it was nice that it wasn't worse than 3-1, to one, especially when the Yankees had second and third one out in the fifth inning, and they didn't score. But it was all about Stevie. And I'm firing off text messages in my Met text chain, texting my dad, this is amazing, we're getting Stevie. I tried to calm myself down. I didn't want it to be like February again, where I was expecting it, and then it was just ripped away from me, ripped away from all of us. So I've tried to keep my cool, but then I said, F it. I'm not keeping my cool. We're getting Stevie Cohen. We have lived with the Will Ponds for too long. And we talked a lot about this on the Friday show for the five minutes we were on the air. Forget the money for a second. Forget about the fact that they let Zach Wheeler walk out the door. Forget about letting Jose Reyes walk out the door. Forget about all the big-time free agents they could have signed. Vladimir's got a bad back issue. The A-Rod 24-1 thing. Forget all that. The leadership of this organization has been embarrassing. Forget the money. The leadership has been embarrassing. And luckily, we are going to look back at the Brody, what do you want to call it? The I can't even say like hot microphone or videotape that was leaked, even though it wasn't leaked, it was recorded, whatever. The Brody tape of Rob of what he said about Rob Manfred, that will now be just like something we can laugh at because that was it. Within 24 hours of that, we got the news that the Wilpons are gone and they're going to be replaced by Stevie Cohen and every dime of his beautiful money. Every one of it. And so I am just excited about leadership. Now, I know he's had his issues. Okay, I'm not forgetting about that. I, I, I understand it. Okay, he's not perfect. He's not an angel. But I am hopeful. I am even confident that he will be a much better leader than what we've seen over the last two decades from the Wilpons. And then the money, his beautiful, sexy money that he is going to spend, not on, forget free agents for a second, forget that. No, no, how about keeping Michael Conforto who continues to blossom? How about that? How about paying Michael Conforto? We no longer have to worry about, well, boy, Conforto's a Boris guy, he's gone. No, that's gone. That's over. Noah Syndergaard may have a great second half next year. We don't have to worry about some team overpaying him. We're going to overpay him. And I don't mind overpaying our own guys. We've seen it. David Wright's contract was a disaster. But you know what? He was David Wright, and the Mets kept him. And you know what? If re-signing Noah Syndergaard or re-signing Michael Conforto becomes a disaster— this guy is not going to be scarred for life on ever spending on another big contract. Stevie is coming. And for the Yankee fans still listening, I get it. I respect you have concerns about paying Aaron Judge. Don't worry. We'll pay Aaron Judge. Then you don't have to worry about it anymore. I'm just kidding. I, it's not even funny. I'm just, I'm on a high. We're all on a high. Now, this is as the game's going on. Mets are down three to one. And, and I, I was sitting on my whatever chair I sit on in my bedroom watching this game, and I started pondering, are the Mets going to win this game now? Like, because of the magic of Stevie and his gorgeous, incredibly sexy money, game one was amazing. They're down 4 nothing. They beat the Yankees. Like, 
is it going to happen again? Or is it just going to be, yeah, they got a split, but Stevie Cohen's buying the team. So it's, it's still a great day. And I was going back and forth on it. I wasn't sure. I wasn't positive. I was kind of on the fence about it. And when Brandon Nimmo ripped that RBI double in the fifth inning off of Nick Nelson, and and again, I can't wait to get to the Yankees because there's a lot of things to discuss about this team right now. I started thinking, well, maybe it will. Maybe this will be the greatest day in Met history. But when Conforto tapped out to the mound, I kind of resigned myself to, okay, it's going to be a good day. It's going to be that great game one victory. It wasn't a disaster against the Yankees. Sure, the Yankees are waking up. They got a split in the doubleheader. But again, Stevie Cohen, Stevie Cohen, Stevie Cohen. Now let's get to the seventh inning, the bottom of the seventh. And just in case you're listening to this podcast a year from now because you're bored and you have no life and you're going through the archives of the Evan Roberts podcast, let's pretend it was the ninth inning because the seventh inning is the ninth inning. In the bottom of the ninth inning, here comes a Roldis Chapman. Now, he hasn't pitched much this year, but he's still a Roldis Chapman. The Mets are sending up the bottom of the order. They got no shot. And Jeff McNeil, I want to hug Jeff McNeil. He's been a mess lately. I know I can't hug him, coronavirus, but a virtual hug. He has that double in the fifth inning, which I thought was really encouraging. Okay, but he puts together a really solid at-bat against Aroldis. And you know Jeff McNeil doesn't want to lay off close pitches. Jeff McNeil wants to swing at everything. And he draws the walk. And then, like Dave Roberts many years ago, Luis Rojas goes to Billy Hamilton. And I was with first pitch run. First pitch run. And Billy is so blindingly fast that even though Aroldis had him picked off, Billy steals second anyway. And now Ahmed Rosario comes up. Did I think about bunting with Ahmed Rosario? I didn't think about bunting, but I did say, boy, I really hope he hits a ground ball to second base. Just get Billy to third. You're going to pinch at Ali Sanchez in all likelihood with Wilson Ramos. Uh, Just tie the game. You know what? You're the home team. You're the home team in extra innings. It'll be great. Even though the extra inning rules are fugazi as hell, just move the guy to third base. Now, even though I'm thinking that, we're the home team. When Ahmed hits the 2-0 pitch to left, and I'm pretty sure it's gone, my brain starts working in a, wow, we're going to take the lead. Is he going to go to Diaz? <laughs> this is what I'm thinking about. When Rosario hits the home run, I am still not fully fathoming that the Mets won. When the Mets run out of the dugout for the first two seconds, my brain tells me, Wow, the Mets are really celebrating too much for a home run. Game's not over. And then when Gary Cohen screamed the Mets win, I, ah, that's right. They're the home team. And then I woke up my wife in excitement. And I said, baby, that was a hell of a win. And Stevie Cohen's beautiful money is coming. What a tremendous victory. What a tremendous... I don't want this to be like the Friday night against the Nationals again where I was giddy as hell driving home. Maybe this team could go all the way. And obviously they did. They didn't make the playoffs. But this day, August 28th, 2020, is such a day in Met history that maybe they can win the whole freaking thing. I'm going to regret saying that. And I probably don't even believe it. I will probably wake up tomorrow and say, yeah, we'll be lucky to make the playoffs. 
but a sweep of the Yankees down 4-0, down 3-1, down 3-2, a walk-off at Yankee Stadium, which is going to be a great trivia question for 15 years from now. And Steve Cohen's beautiful money on the same day can't be real. Can I do some uh, geeky first guessing now? Some little baseball talk, if you will. All right, let me do it. Fifth inning. Mets are down three to one. Okay, Nick Nelson is in the game. Uh, McNeil leads off with a double. Tremendous. Luis Guillerme draws a walk. They've got first and second. Nobody out. Down two. The batter is Ali Sanchez. Luis, this is a seven-inning game now. This is not a nine-inning game. In the fifth inning, it's sort of like the seventh inning. Why is Ali Sanchez hitting? You have three catchers, by the way. Okay, you've got Mazika, you've got Ramos, you've got a crap load of bats on your bench, including Andres Jimenez, including Ahmed Rosario, including Jake Marisnik, all guys that are probably better hitters than Ali Sanchez. And don't tell me, oh, but he got a base hit in the third inning. It was his first major league hit. Either bunt with the kid, which it probably can't do, or pinch it right then and there. Instead, he grounds into a double play. And Miguel Andujar looked confused as hell on it, but hey, give Miggy credit, he turned the double play. So I didn't love that. But outside of that, I loved everything else. Jayra's familiar, did a hell of a job pitching out of trouble in the fifth inning. And look, it was good to see David Peterson back. I'm not freaking out about his performance. The rest of the rotation is still a major question, obviously. But it was very uneven, you know, because he was really good in the first two innings. He was even really good in the fourth inning. The third inning was a, I mean, it was tough to get through. He threw like 35 pitches that inning. But he was able to get through it. And a seven-inning game, pitching four innings is not a big deal. By the way, I've watched a ton of seven-inning games now between the Yankee doubleheaders, between the Met doubleheaders. We've got a few more. The Yankees have a doubleheader next week against the Orioles. Obviously, the Mets and Yankees have another doubleheader on Sunday. I don't want seven-inning games. And I'm going to say this with peace and love because there's a lot of sports writers that do a hell of a job. And I'm sure there's a lot of sports writers that have genuine opinions on this. They're not saying something out of their own benefit. But every time a sports writer says... Boy, seven innings are fun. I'm sorry. It makes me think that you just don't want to be there. Now, that may not be fair. And and I I do acknowledge that because I hate when somebody says, Evan, this is what you really think. And I'm saying, no, this is not what I really think. This is what I really think. What I'm telling you is what I really think. So I do feel bad if I'm implying that there are writers who say, I only want seven inning games squarely because they're being lazy, but I think some are. Doesn't mean all are. Some writers are probably saying, no, I genuinely think it's good. Even though their opinion's wrong, it's genuine. It comes from a good place. But every time a freaking writer tells me seven inning games are so exciting, all I can think about is because they don't want to be there. And if you don't want to be there, don't do it. That's what I say. It's the same thing with the extra innings. If you don't want to watch the 15th inning, shut the 15th inning off. I'll say that to anybody. If you're so bothered by something, stop watching. Okay, no one's begging you to watch. I don't know why I'm getting so angry about this. I I think it's just because I don't want seven innings permanently. I get why it's there. I don't want it permanently. Let me get to the Yankees. So Met fans, we're done. What a great day. Greatest day in the history of the Mets. Let me get to the Yankees. Look. I don't believe they're going to miss the playoffs. Eight teams make the playoffs. Their schedule in September is soft as hell when you look at the teams they're playing. So I want to preface that. And anyone who's worried about that, 
you're going a little too overboard. But right now, this team is a mess. They've lost seven games in a row, and it's not just the lineup is ravaged by injuries, which is part of the story. And Joe and I said this when we went through the lineup for game one. This is not a really good major league lineup. It's barely a major league lineup. It feels like a minor league lineup. Luke Voigt has been outstanding, and it did look like he was hurt in game one, but I think he's healthy. Even though he didn't do anything in game two, he did have three hits in game one, whatever it was. Clint Frazier continues to be very impressive despite the three strikeouts in game two. But it's not just the lineup thing. The lineup thing is obvious. They are ravaged by injuries. DJ LeMayhew coming back is a monstrous help. And I believe not just because he's a hell of a hitter, but because of the position he plays, he's been the the most difficult guy to replace. Because when you're without him and you're without Glaber, and now you're without Gio, you're talking, forget Andujar, because I think he will hit. You're talking about Tyro Estrada, Tyler Wade, and Jordy Mercer. Two of those three guys having to play every day until you get guys healthy. They need DJ back. And they also need, and this is why the Yankees won 103 games last year, the guys who filled in stepped up. And the guys who were still healthy stepped up. So early in the season, Luke Voigt was awesome. He wasn't filling in for anybody. He was playing. And he stepped up. Well, right now, when you look at the guys who are there every day, Brett Gardner has done nothing. Now, I know he got on base three times in game one, but for the most part, he's still on the interstate. Gary Sanchez, and I've defended him a lot. It's getting tougher to defend him offensively. Forget the defense for a second. The guy's hitting 130. He comes up in big spots, and he's popping up to short center field or he's striking out. And I've said before, but Gary's had a lot of good at-bats. He's showing signs of breaking out of it. And that happened today. I had that 10-pitch at-bat in game one. You know what? Enough of those moral victories. You're a month into the season. He is the guy more than anyone else. And I'm a Gary Sanchez defender. He is the number one guy that needs to get his head out of his ass and start hitting. Period. I'll mention other guys. I'll mention Brett Gardner. I'll mention Aaron Hicks. I'll mention Miguel Andujar now that the opportunity's in front of him. All those guys are fair game, too. The number one guy is Gary Sanchez. He's one of the monsters in the middle of the order, and he's done crap. But the problem right now is deeper than the lineup. And the problem that's being exposed right now is this bullpen. This bullpen came into this season with Chapman, well, you know, March's season, because I know Chapman had the COVID. Chapman, Britton, Adovino, Canely, and Green. Five guys in the circle of trust. Is it five? Yeah. Tommy Canely, Adam Adovino, Chad Green, Zach Britton, Aroldis Chapman. Tommy Canely's injury is very significant. We haven't talked about it in a while because he's been out for a while and you almost have to forget he exists. But Tommy Canely, gone. Zach Britton and Aroldis Chapman can't be healthy at the same time. First it was Chapman recovering from COVID. Then he comes back and now Britton's out with a hamstring issue. That's two. Now you get down to three. Adam Adovino, for whatever reason, I can't answer this. I'll ask Boone next week. He doesn't use him very often. And when he does, look at the way he used him today. He went to him very early today. Now, it's the fourth inning. It's a seven-inning game. I guess that makes sense. 
but not when the guys you're following up with are Nick Nelson and Luis Sessa. Then you've got Chad Green. Chad Green got off to this brilliant start. But maybe a part of his brilliant start was that he wasn't asked to get some of the bigger outs in a game. And now he's had two duds in a row. The game against the Braves and obviously the game against the Mets where the long ball has crushed him. Guy's given up four home runs to the last, what is it, 10 batters he's faced from the Freeman at bat against the Braves in game two of that doubleheader to the three home runs he gave up today. So Chad Green's a little bit of a mess right now. Two awful performances back-to-back. And then you've got Chapman, who I will defend. Aroldis Chapman pitched in only his second game of the season today. So, and his velocity is down, but he's barely pitched. So you are looking at a bullpen right now, and that's the circle of trust. Those are the guys that you came into the season saying, hey, strength of the Yankees is their bullpen. Look at all the guys I have. Canely's gone. Britain's hurt. Chapman's barely pitched. Adovino Boone uses with ultimate care, and Chad Green stinks right now. And so now you're looking for a kid like Nick Nelson to get big outs. You're looking for Jonathan Holder, who's actually been okay, to get big outs. You're looking at Louis, Louis Sessa. I know it's the sixth inning, but again, let's call it the eighth inning because that's what it was. You went to Luis Sessa in the eighth inning with a one-run lead. Now, Luis did the job. I'm not picking on him. But that just shows you the state of where we are. I read a Yankee fan who tweeted, Boone's punting the game. And my, and my brain, I'm like, punting the game? Who the hell do you want him to go to? You want him to go back to Chad Green? Look, you could argue he went to Adovino too early, but if you didn't go to Adovino in the fourth inning, and let's say you use Nick Nelson there, you're just kind of flipping the guys around. And in fairness, I'll give you one defense of Adovino in the fourth inning. And I actually thought about this later in the game. Adam Adovino came in to face three, four, and five of the Met order. He came in to face J.D., Dom Smith, Robbie Cano, Pete Alonso. Some of the Mets' best hitters. And sometimes managers have to look at it more that way than what inning they're coming into. And I'll give you an example, and I texted this to a couple of Yankee fans. When the sixth inning came around, and you could see it coming, he had nobody to go to. He's not going back to Chad Green after that crap in game one. He's also not pitching both games of a doubleheader, but you're not going back to Chad Green. You've already used Adam Adovino. Where are you going? when you're six outs away from winning. And you know what I said to the guys? I said, I go to Chapman right here. And the reason I said that, and I'm not saying it would have changed the game, obviously, maybe the Mets go ahead in the sixth inning. I don't know. Is that the Mets were sending up the heart of the order. And if managers are going to get away from being like, I have to go to guys in certain innings, go to the matchups, go to the better hitters. Aroldis Chapman is still, even despite today, the guy in the bullpen you trust the most. Would you rather have him face the bottom of the order or the middle of the order? Now, would it have mattered today? No, he probably would have come in and blown up in the sixth inning. But I'm just saying in general. But the problem and the crises that the Yankees are facing right now, and again, it's not that they're going to miss the playoffs. It's that they have a bullpen that features very few guys you can trust. You're a Yankee fan right now. Who the hell in this bullpen do you trust? It's not Chad Green after the last two days. Adam Adovino's had a tough time throwing strikes. He was fine today outside of the double to Dom Smith, but there were a couple of hard-hit balls against him. I think J.D. Davis, first battery face to the line drive. So you've got Adovino, who's iffy, Chad Green, who has sucked recently, and Chapman, who I think the only answer for Roldis Chapman is he's got to go out and pitch. I think the rotation is fine. 
Cole is fine. Tanaka is fine, even though he can't throw more than 65 pitches. I thought Jordan Montgomery was very impressive in game one. And it goes back to that, too. And ask yourself this from game one, the 4 nothing game. Jordan Montgomery's pitching a hell of a game, okay? The first four innings, the Mets have done nothing against him. In the fifth inning, he gives up an unearned run because of, you know, basically two errors by Miguel Andujar, okay? He comes out for the sixth inning, which he should. Gives up back-to-back hits, okay? His pitch count is still only 68. Is Aaron Boone in a rush to take Montgomery out if it's a normal nine-inning game? My answer is probably not. Now, I think he does have the bullpen warmed up. I think he is thinking, hey, forget pitch count. He's put the first two guys on base. Pete Alonso's coming up. I don't know. But Jordan Montgomery struck out Pete Alonso twice in his first two at-bats. So, look, I think this is a tough second guess, but I want to point this out. Jordan Montgomery gives up back-to-back hits. His pitch count is reasonable. I don't think he's tired. He's had great success against Pete Alonso. I know it's a seven-inning game, but should that really change when you're going to take a starting pitcher out? It shouldn't, in my opinion. I look at it this way. Unless I have a a, a 1,000% lockdown bullpen, unless I have Mariano Rivera in my bullpen, I'm not going to take my starting pitcher out differently because it's seven in a game. If my starting pitcher can still get guys out, why am I in a rush to take them out? Now, I get it didn't work. He goes to Chad Green. He gives up the home run to Pete Alonso. But again, Jordan Montgomery struck out Pete Alonso his first two at-bats. I think it's a problem. And Boone isn't the only one to do it. And I asked him point blank with Tanaka If it's a nine-inning game, does he come out after five? And you can go back and listen to it. He wasn't sure. He's like, I don't know. Well, that's a that means the answer is probably yes, that he did take him out because it's a seven-inning game. Should you manage that way? Should that be in your mind? Look, bottom line is this. The Yankees have lost their last three. Now, I know it's a longer losing streak than that. But their bullpen has been a major reason why. Their inability to get big hits has been a major reason why. And look, they have scored, I guess it was seven runs in the doubleheader. Now, I know it's seven inning games. Is that enough? Now, there's excuses because there's nobody playing right now and they need to find a way to get guys healthy. I don't know how you do it other than just praying at this point. But the good news the Yankees have, and let every Yankee fan understand this, Ernie Acosta should understand this because he hated the playoff format. And I hate the playoff format too, even though it's probably going to benefit the Mets if they do make the playoffs. This playoff format, and I never thought I'd say this, is benefiting the Yankees. Because if this was the format we all thought was coming, I'd have a very different tune about, hey, don't worry, you won't miss the playoffs. The Rays are taking this division by the you-know-whats. And a lot of guys are not walking through that door tomorrow. DJ LeMayhew may walk through that door, but Glaber Torres, Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge are not, and who knows about Gio Urshela. So there's my thoughts on the Yankees. I'm not doing a Saturday show, so I figured I may as well get it all out there. So what do we call this? A Mets, Stevie Cohen, greatest day in Mets history, slash... The Yankees are a mess podcast. Either way, thanks for listening. I'll give you another one. It won't be about this. It'll be about pro wrestling because the WWE is having another big event on Sunday night. 
And that's a busy night because the Islanders are playing Mets-Yankees doubleheader. So I'll watch as much of it as I can, and then I'll do a podcast because I almost feel obligated to. Either way, thanks for listening to this edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast.